Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. If you're watching live, welcome. This will be up on Apple and Spotify shortly after. Go to the 33rd team podcast network and just search that Apple, Spotify, and everything will come up along with our new 33rd team fantasy embedding YouTube channel. Ryan, we're going to get right down to it. Game of the week is Bill's Dolphins. Bills are favored by two and a half points and the total is high at 54. I mentioned this briefly on the, the waiver wire show and I'm going to mention it again today because a lot of people are still not convinced that Devon Achan is for real. He had over 51 fantasy points this past week, the 10th most since 2013. And I will rapid fire read every guy in the top 15 because there's no fluky players. And I think that's very, very key rest of season. Could Achan be the first? Sure. Would I, would I expect him to be the first? Probably not. So the, those 15 players with, with Achan at 10 would be Jamal Charles, Tyreek Hill, Alvin Kamara, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Will Fuller, Jonathan Taylor, Tyler Lockett, Le'Veon Bell, Devon Achan, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Andre Johnson, Amari Cooper, Todd Gurley. The worst name on that list is Will Fuller, but I, I think really his career was just derailed by injuries more so than anything else. That is extremely good company. I, I think he's a top 15 running back rest of season. When we look at the the Bills, a lot of people are, have asked me why I'm very high on Tua Tagovailoa this week. Because the Bills have allowed only 140 pass yards per game this year. But it, it's simply because they haven't faced anybody. Week one, they, they face Zach Wilson. Impromptu start. It was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers, four snaps in to become Zach Wilson. Week two, it was Jimmy Garoppolo, the Raiders. But Jacoby Myers didn't even play with a concussion. And then week three, I think a lot of us saw the Sam Howell experience, four interceptions. Ultimately, they haven't faced anyone even remotely close to this Dolphins offense. You'll see that I have all Dolphins ranked aggressively despite the quote-unquote hard matchup because ultimately, I don't think this offense can be stopped. Ryan, is that kind of how you're viewing this game and that it will, in fact, be relatively high scoring? Yeah, I'm going to use a basketball parallel here. I mean, in, in the NFL, defense can mitigate good offense, but good offense beats good defense. And years ago, when uh, the Lakers played the Celtics in the finals, I remember a game where, you know, Kobe Bryant just went crazy at the end and... I think it was Rondo looked at Doc Rivers and just went, Doc Rivers just went like this, like put his arms out, like, what are you going to do? You know, you're playing well, yeah. you're playing good defense. And I agree, Miami, you know, especially with Waddle back, they just, they can, they can hang 30 plus points on anyone's conceivably. And like you said, they've played some pretty bad offenses so far. Buffalo, the Jets, the Commanders, the Raiders, you know, they, they beat two of those teams with distance. So that's, that's a positive, but Miami's an entirely different animal. That said, one thing I'm looking at here is, Dolphins run game's been really good so far, especially against the Broncos. I don't I think we we should view that as more of a spike week unit than, you know, let's run for five touchdowns every week. So, I'm into the passing game too here primarily. Yeah, and then if we we look at the Bills side, the one note that I'll I'll mention is just that James Cook finally starting to see a little bit of red zone and goal line work for the first time in week 3, and that that is very encouraging because ultimately the only part of his fantasy profile that's been missing is he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. And people out there that are like, oh, like the touchdowns will come. Well, after the first two weeks, I really didn't think the touchdowns would come. He would have to break a long run if he's just simply not touching the ball near the end zone. Week three, that changed. I am now increasingly optimistic about him rest of season. Any other notes to add here about uh, Josh Allen and company? 
Yeah, I mean, he carries this team, much like Aaron Rodgers did in Green Bay. You know, they've blown out two teams in a row. Both games against Miami last year were tight. One thing I specifically mentioned from the first matchup is there were a lot of passes to running backs. So James Cook's in a pretty interesting position there. And one thing I'll say this is last year, coming into the year, I said that Buffalo's skill group's pretty overrated. I think they're better this year. Cook's better than Singletary. Kincaid's better in addition to Gabe Davis looks healthy. So I think Buffalo can potentially win this game. Next game is the London game that we'll discuss. That uh, It's Jaguars-Falcons. Jaguars favored by three points. They, it opened at 44 points for the game total. It's now down to 43. As of Thursday afternoon, Zay Jones still has not practiced. Uh, from beat reporting that I have read, it seems like he won't suit up. Uh, I'd say that when we look at the, this Jaguars pass attack against the Falcons, the Falcons just in general were a defense to target last year. This year, not so much. A uh, large part to safety Jesse Bates. This is just a, a completely transformed unit, and it might end up having to be just one more week till that Jacksonville offense takes off. Personally, I'm going to be sitting Trevor Lawrence in a couple spots where we'll talk more about them later, but I actually would rather just start Russell Wilson against Chicago or Daniel Jones against Seattle. And if you want to see more about that, on the 33rdteam.com, you can see my fantasy rankings. And this week, not only do you get my fantasy rankings, but... We have it ordered by the aggregate rankings from myself, Matthew Hill, and Kevin Wheeler. So two of the top rankers over the past few years and myself have teamed up for those. So you, you can see that we're we're generally very, very optimistic about Russell Wilson specifically. On the other side, I'm not all that concerned about the Falcons run game. They were stymied in week three against Detroit, but uh, Detroit's front is awesome. Their defense in general has been a revelation compared to last year when they were like the, the premier shootout team. Jacksonville's front is, is probably not quite on that level. They they did shut down Deion Jackson and the Colts in week one, but that's Deion Jackson. They they held Damian Pearson, Devin Singletary in check in week three as well, along with every other team, because the Texans are missing three offensive line starters. But week two, the, the Chiefs running backs averaged five yards a carry. I ultimately think the Falcons will will probably be similar to that that Chiefs level in this one. You'll see that I'm very optimistic about Bijan Robinson specifically. What are you looking for in this London game? And when I say London game, does that make you think differently about uh, any of these moving parts here? Yeah, a little bit. It's just it's just a different variable, you know. For Jacksonville, I think they've played a game in Europe in every year but one since 2014, so they're more used to this than most franchises are. Uh, you know, I'm not too worried about the Jaguars' offense in general. Uh, Calvin Ridley dropped a 30-yard touchdown on the first drive last week. Lawrence's look good. They just they just haven't been consistent so far. And like you said, the Falcons' defense is a different animal last year than they were this year than they were last year. So I, I think it could be another week, but I, I I'm not concerned yet. And on the Falcon side, I think we saw last week against Detroit. Like if this team can't run the ball, they're they're basically drawing dead because of their quarterback situation. Yeah, we we've been saying that all offseason. We've been saying yeah. that all year. The the Falcons are really a a team with a quarterback problem more than anything else. Let's turn to uh, the divisional matchup between the Browns and the Ravens opened at Browns favored by two points has now risen to the Browns favored by three. The game total was at 41 and a half. It's dropped to 40. People think it's going to be a defensive battle with the Browns coming out on top. Cleveland Browns are off to a historic start on defense. They've allowed 112 passing yards and 52 rushing yards per game through three games. That is 164 yards of offense. Unbelievable. 
in my rankings, you'll see that I have Lamar Jackson ranked behind several lesser names for fantasy simply because Lamar has looked fine. Nothing too special this year. And the, the Browns look like probably the NFL's best defense at this point through three weeks. When we look at the other side of the, the Browns offense, Deshaun Watson had his best game as a Brown this past week against the Titans, but no quarterback has topped five and a half yards per attempt yet against Baltimore. It's been a, a fairly stout unit. They've faced CJ Stroud, Joe Burrow, and Gardner Minshew through three games. So that's kind of a mixed bag. Do you think as well, like Vegas, that this is going to be a, a pretty heavy defensive contest? Because personally, I'm I'm trying to stay away from most of these guys outside of Zay Flowers and Amari Cooper for fantasy football. Yeah, I think there's far more past this game being an under than an over. Right before we went on the air, I checked on Twitter. Deshaun Watson actually has some kind of right-throwing arm injury, according to ESPN's Jake Trotter. So that puts a little little bit of cloudiness in the mix, too. Like you said, he had his best game of the year against the Titans. Not only was it good statistically, but he looked sharp, made a lot of, made a lot of good throws on crossers where he was, you know, missing – couldn't hit the broad side of a barnyard for the first two weeks. So that's a positive for Cleveland in general. Defense is definitely for real. They've given up three points in two games so far this year, which is nuts. And then on the other end of things, you know, I, I've never been on board with Lamar Jackson being a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes level, level passer. To me, he's a running quarterback, a historic one. And, you know, the big, the big thing here this week is Baltimore's injury report was awful last week against the Colts. It's one of the reasons they lost that game. If that happens again this week, the Browns are simply better than them in that scenario. Let's turn to Panthers Vikings. Most sports books have the, the Panthers plus four and a half. It opened at plus two and a half. And uh, I personally, and I think many people out there are, are looking right now at the Vikings and you can actually get the minus four on my bookie. That that's that half points, a pretty big difference. So if you're interested in betting on the Vikings, Betting on Kirk Cousins, who's pacing for nearly 6,100 passing yards. Well, then go to mybookie.com, sign up with promo code 3013. It keeps Ryan and I employed, and you'll be happy to get a better line. That is mybookie.com, promo code 3013, the Vikings minus four. Now, the, the game total started at 45. It's up to 47. And I think that, that shows uh, confidence in Mr. Kirk Cousins. One thing that I think is actually bad for the game total is that Bryce Young's going to start again. They they really let it rip last week with Andy Dalton. I was I think we were both kind of hopeful for the, this pass attack it would be Dalton again. The red rifle yeah. has now become the benched rifle because Bryce Young is back in action. When we look at this matchup, the Vikings are a pass funnel defense. I know the Eagles ran wild on them in week two, but that's because of the offensive line of the Eagles. Weeks one and three, the, the Vikings really, really shut down the Buccaneers run game and the Chargers run game. Both of those units averaged a combined two yards per carry against them. The The guy that I'm really optimistic about with the Panthers, because uh, it, my enthusiasm to stream Bryce Young is not what I had in terms of enthusiasm to potentially stream Mr. Andy Dalton, would be Adam Thielen, though. 25 or higher percent target share each of the past two weeks. You can look at the consensus rankings from myself, Matthew Hill, Kevin Wheeler. We have Adam Thielen wide receiver 32 which will also be music to Jordan Vanek's ears. Our head of DFS has been all over Thielen as a sneaky starter. When we look at the run game, I'm a little bit less excited about Miles Sanders just because the, the Vikings have really been more of a, a pass funnel defense. And then when we look at the other side, 
we're, we're starting the, the Vikings pass attack every week. And once again, we're probably going to start Alexander Madison. He blew up against the Chargers, and I think he needed that. Carolina is a, a pretty easy matchup. However, I, I don't think we're going to get quite as big of a workload because Cam Akers will probably be active for this contest. That's going to be something to monitor. If Akers is out, I think Madison's kind of a smash start like he was last week where you go, hey guys, we don't, we don't think he's that talented, but the, the volume's going to be there and the matchup's quite great. But I, I do believe Akers is active and cuts into the workload. Madison dropped a couple passes last week. He fumbled at the goal line. These are not good things for, for Madison's uh, long-term job security. Kirk Cousins, a top eight fantasy option this week from myself, Matthew Hill, and Kevin Wheeler. Lots to be excited about there. Do you believe as well that this game total should be rising? And what are you looking for in this one, Ryan? Yeah, I think this game has some shoot up potential. Like you said, though, I, I liked it a little bit more when Andy Dalton was the quarterback. You know, it's a revenge game for Adam Thielen. Uh, Bryce Young, I don't trust the Panthers at all. In fact, if this wasn't a crazy season where the Bears and Broncos were just getting obliterated to open the year, the Panthers would normally be the worst team in the league currently. So no real confidence in them. Uh, on the Vikings side, they have an elite elite passing attack. I think that's for real. Kirk Cousins, you know, if the Vikings were 3-0, Kirk Cousins and Tua Tagliavoa would be the MVP favorites right now. So that's it, though, with Minnesota. That's their one strength. So you're more so betting on the Panthers continuing to fail if you're taking the Vikings mm -hmm. at minus four or, or worse. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. Nobody talks about football like Ryan, and there's not many people out there that have watched every snap of every game since 2014 and still live to talk about it. You can find Ryan's work on the 33rdteam.com as well. He's got power rankings early in the week. He breaks down his matchups game by game throughout the week. Those will start to funnel onto the site. Thursday, you get his, his picks and predictions for each game. And a new thing as of last week is late in the week, generally around Saturday, he's going to drop quick thoughts on every single game where you get to know how Ryan's viewing each game and what he might be betting on specifically with, with the spread, the totals, props, just matchups that are of concern to him where there's big mismatches. You need to be consuming his work. Let's turn to my favorite game of the week, Bears-Broncos. Bears are three and a half point underdogs. Game total is 45 and a half. I, Ryan smiled. I'm smiling. I'm not joking though. This is actually quite possibly going to be just the most pure fun game out there. Russell Wilson's been off to a great start. Back-to-back -back games with 300 passing yards. It's really been the defense that's held them back. Chicago's giving up nearly nine yards per pass attempt on the season. And I, Denver really just has to win this. They're 0-3. They're and uh, let me tell you, if you want to bet on Russell Wilson, I have personally bet on Russell Wilson this week. His pass yards number is only 231 and a half. Again, he's gone over 300 yards the past two weeks. He faces a Bears team where I don't think they've heard of the pass rush. He's going to have all day to throw. He's probably going to hook up with Jerry Judy for a lot of yards. He's going to hook up with Marvin Mims, who is going to earn more snaps most likely this week. 231 and a half pass yards. Take the over. It's minus 120 on a lot of books, but it's only minus 113 on my bookie. Promo code 3013 when you sign up and make that deposit. You'll get the 20% deposit match when you do. And then you can tell me and take Russell Wilson over 231 and a half passing yards. The Broncos are essentially playing for their season. Ryan, what are you looking for in this game? It, it almost seems like the Broncos are playing for their season and Justin Fields these next couple of weeks will be playing for his career as well. 
Yeah, one thing I'll say on the Bears' half is they should bring Greg Roman into the building. You know, obviously, my, my concern here is not just that Justin Fields has played poorly. The whole offense looks lost. Roman did wonders with Colin Kaepernick. Lamar Jackson won an MVP with Greg Roman. I'd bring him into the building, get him ready to take over for Luke Getze. Probably not next week on Thursday Night Football, but after if they're still winless and struggling on offense. That said, you know, on the Denver side, Russell Wilson's been much better so far this year, this year. You know, one thing in particular is he's made a number of great high difficulty throws while extending plays. That's kind of his that's kind of his wheelhouse. That's what he does well. Um, I imagine that defense is very unhappy after last week. You know, just not only did Tyreek Hill just destroy them without Jalen Waddle, but they the Dolphins ran all over them, and that's an understatement. So I do think I, you know, I, I would play this as an over or pass, but it's very, very hard to have any confidence in the Bears right now. Yeah, I'd agree. The the only Bears piece in fantasy that I'm going to be starting with any kind of enthusiasm is DJ Moore. The Broncos have really just uh, not looked like a great defensive unit after being one of the top NFL defenses last year. That that entire unit, even before the the explosion with 70 points from Miami last week, had just not looked like themselves. Let's turn to Saints Buccaneers. Saints favored by three points. Game total is 40 and a half since 2019. Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore has held Mike Evans to under 13 fantasy points each of the past nine matchups. That's in PPR formats. So if you play in standard, you play in half PPR, it's even bleaker. I, I think a lot of wide receiver cornerback matchups are overrated because the, the shadow cornerback is dying out. This is one of the few cases, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, where I'm still going to believe that, that Marshawn Lattimore has been licking his chops. He's excited for this. And Mike Evans won't be catching passes from Tom Brady. He's going to be catching passes from <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Slightly concerned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the other side, I'm very bullish on Alvin Kamara this week. I I just don't think they're going to let James Winston let it rip. It's a winnable game against the Buccaneers. I think a lot of shorter passes to Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara are probably going to be in order. He's a fantasy RB1 for me this week. And the one thing I'm looking at in this backfield, aside from just how much they let Kamara play, is going to be if Kendry Miller earns more work. He firmly played behind the veteran Tony Jones last week. I think we both agree that long-term Miller is a much better option for them, much more explosive player. I, I wouldn't really start either of them this week, but I'll definitely be monitoring that since I think if either of them can be a fantasy-relevant player alongside Kamara, it would be the more explosive Miller. When we look at the, the pass attack for the Saints, Chris Olave and Michael Thomas both yet to score a touchdown. But... When I look at my expected fantasy points model based on usage, Olave's at 17 expected fantasy points a game. Michael Thomas is at 14. One of them probably gets in the box this week. And we we love how how condensed this passing game has been in their favor. What else are you you looking for here outside of uh, Baker Mayfield probably struggling once again for the second week in a row? And a Saints team that is probably going to have a very conservative Jameis Winston game plan. Yeah, I certainly hope so, based on some of the things we've seen. You know, 30 interceptions. We, I've mentioned this a number of times. Against the Panthers last year was literally one of the worst games I've ever seen a quarterback play. Just an absolute disaster. And, you know, oddly enough, the Saints actually moved to minus three and a half just a few minutes ago on DraftKings. So I was very, very surprised to see that to the point I checked to see if Derek Carr practiced, and he hasn't. So very, very – I'm genuinely surprised by that. But on that said here, Josh – both these teams have good defenses. We know Winston's a volatile quarterback. For me, I'm not a Baker Mayfield guy. I think we saw the real Baker Mayfield last week. I have no confidence in him either. Expect this one to be tight, a field goal type game, low scoring. 
probably the ugliest game of the slate to watch. Let's turn to Eagles commanders. It opened at Eagles favored by a touchdown. The Eagles are now favored by eight points. Game total dropped as well. It was at 44 and a half. It's down to 43 and a half. Personally, I'm a little bit concerned with Brian Robinson. Antonio Gibson played a lot more than him last week. They were in a trailing game script against Buffalo. And they're probably going to trail again against the Eagles. Yeah, I think Robinson is nothing more than just a low-end fantasy RB2 this week. On the other side, DeAndre Swift, each and every week now, looks like a borderline fantasy running back. One, I will let everyone know out there that if you're interested in prop betting, many of you are, you should hop into the 33rd Team Discord. It's free. It's linked in every single one of our articles on the 33rdteam.com. If you go to my Twitter, at tweets, you can see that it's linked there as well. One thing that I dropped in the Discord last week was DeAndre Swift was plus 350 to lead that game in rushing yards. And what do you know? DeAndre Swift had 87 more rushing yards than any other player. We are hungry, myself, Ryan, another half dozen of us, to beat the books, and you should be beating the books with us. Make sure you jump in. We do start sits, trade advice, the whole gambit. We do DFS showdown advice. There, there's really no Discord that is free that offers anything remotely close to what we are this year. The one other player I'll mention for fantasy is Dallas Goddard has been disappointing. And one thing that's disappointed me, aside from I want more fantasy points, is his average depth of target this year has been just five and a half yards. He's always been a slightly higher a dot tight end throughout his career. The past two years, he averaged seven and a half uh, air yards per target. That's down to five and a half this year. It dropping by more than 25% this year. I hope it's a small sample size, but it is something to monitor. Ryan, what else are you looking for in this Eagles commanders game? And do you agree with the, the public that the Eagles are prepared to embarrass Sam Howell once again, after he throws four picks last week versus the bills? That's probably more in order, isn't it? Yeah, I have no confidence in Sam Howell. You know this. You know, I've zero. I think we saw again. We saw the real Sam Howell last week against Buffalo. So, yeah, uh, let, let me put it this way. I'll, let me attack this from two two angles. One, the Eagles offensive line can mitigate the commanders one strength, which is their their pass rush, their front four. So they're in a good position there. I think the commander's secondary is better this year than it was last year. But again, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, that's a premium collection of weapons deandre swift has been awesome so far that said the commanders were the first team to beat the eagles last year and they did it behind 40 plus running back carries they just played an ugly physical game ended up you know winning through through that angle so i think if washington keeps it close they take a, a similar approach but if the eagles jump out to an early lead washington's just about dead in this one for me yeah you do not want sam howell in comeback mode that sounds no. like a, a failed comeback Let's turn to Texans Steelers. It opened at Texans plus three and a half. It's down to Texans plus two and a half. And let me tell you once again about my bookie, because you can still get the Texans at plus three. That's a pretty key number. Plus two and a half, plus three. That might not sound like that much, but to season betters, we know just how many games are ending in a field goal rather than a, uh, Rather than losing, we would like the the, the push. Uh, yeah. yeah, Texans plus three. My bookie. Promo code 13. You guys know the drill at this point. Deposit. Get that 20% deposit bonus. You throw in 100 bucks. You get 120 or 110 in your account. You throw in 200. You get 220. And then if you're interested in the, the very feisty Texans, you can get them at plus three. Now, the, the game total in this one, 
has gone up. It was at 41 and a half. It's gone up to 42 and a half. We've had a little line movement there through two weeks. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers were a sieve on run defense. They allowed at least six yards per carry in both week one and week two. And then they bottled up the Raiders and Josh Jacobs who averaged only three and a half yards per carry this past week. I think there's some chance this is the week Damian Pierce finally gets it going. The concerns are obvious with the, this Houston offensive line. And then the other maybe less obvious thing for Pierce fantasy managers is that Devin Singletary's really been eating into that receiving workload recently. I don't know why he's running so many routes. We, we've talked about this a few times. Devin Singletary was always one of the least impressive pass catching, catching backs when he was in Buffalo. Damian Pierce actually has shown something as a pass catcher before. So that's not something I enjoy. We'll have to hope that, that is not something that continues rest of season. The Houston wide receivers have, to this point, averaged the fourth most fantasy points per game among any wide receiver unit, simply because their default is 11 personnel, where they have three receivers on the field. That, that is great things for Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and Robert Woods. They're all at least flex viable, if not better, every single week, where it's a, it's a team that is often trailing and... They simply rely on their, their pass game. CJ Stroud is still without an interception through three weeks. A very, very strong start to the season for him. Ryan, what are you looking for in this game? I, I think the, unfortunately for the, the my bookie enthusiasts, I, I think the, the Steelers win pretty handily here. Yeah, I found the line movement here interesting. Uh, you know, the, the it opened at Texans plus three and a half. I like Pittsburgh even at that. And then it moved to Texans plus two, two and a half. So that, like you said before, if we're betting in any kind of volume long term, like if we can get lines at three on the dot in those situations, you're going to, you know, you're going to get 3% more wins or so over the long run and you're going to get more pushes too. So that's a big one for this particular contest. Um from a from a talent standpoint, I you know the Steelers played the Browns and the 49ers in the first two weeks of the season. They turned off their offense in both games. I'm kind of throwing that out for the most part. We saw a good but not great effort against the Raiders. I think that's what the Steelers' offense is. They're they're talented but inconsistent, like a middle of the pack type group. I think that's a reasonable expectation in this contest too. But what I'm really looking for here is C.J. Stroud has been really really good through the first three weeks, better than I was expecting for sure. But this is the first premium pass rush he's Stroud's going to face in his professional career. And the Texans' offensive line is just ravaged by injuries. So especially if Tunsil misses this game, I could see that being a real problem for Houston. And that's primarily why I like Pittsburgh in this one. You know, I always like when we're aligned independently. I just glanced. Yeah. I have C.J. Stroud at quarterback 24 in the week, which is letting everyone yeah. know out there that I would not start him, obviously. But that also I wouldn't even consider streaming him if you're desperate or you're in a league where everyone's stacking up two quarterbacks and people have these bench quarterbacks. No, no, no. You probably have a better option on waivers than CJ Stroud this week. One thing to note is that the, the Houston Texans pass defense has actually been fine this year. Zay Flowers is the only wide receiver through three weeks that's reached 60 yards against them. George Pickens, I think, has a good shot, though, to become the second. Targets have been funneled to him since Deontay Johnson went down with the hamstring injury. And I'll mention again that I, I still think maybe things will change this week, but Pat Frymuth is kind of looking like a sell. He's had two touchdowns on the season. He's had only five catches on the season. He's not going to catch a touchdown every two and a half passes. He has yet to have a game with a target share of even 15%, despite the Deontay Johnson injury. The, the one positive, though, is that Houston's given up at least 78 receiving yards to the position now in back-to-back -back weeks. 
Let's turn to Titans Bengals. Titans opened at plus one and a half. That's now become Titans plus two and a half. People are optimistic about the Bengals. They they did uh, quite well this past week. The offense finally started to come alive a little bit. Though, uh, interestingly enough, the, the game total's down. It was at 42 and a half. It's down to only 40 and a half. I talked about this last week. It's still puzzling to me. Ryan Tannehill, the sixth highest air yards per attempt as a passer this year, despite a terrible Tennessee offensive line. And I think that's partly why he's taken so many sacks. They, they've tried to be this weird big play reliant offense when passing the ball, and they simply don't have the offensive line to do it. The, the one guy I'm a little curious about, though, slightly optimistic, Traylon Burks, after two disappointing weeks, had a 25% target share last week. He only caught one of six targets, but I thought it was encouraging that he commanded a 25% target share, A. And then B, if we give him a little slack, he was working his way back from a knee injury during the preseason. Maybe week three was the first time that knee felt fully healthy. And then uh, the less exciting note for the Titans would be that Derrick Henry's now been outsnapped by Tajay Spears in two of three games. And uh, Ryan, this definitely feels like a game where the Titans are going to be trailing once again, and the pass catcher Tajay Spears is probably going to outsnap or at least eat significantly into his workload again. What are you looking for in the from the Titans in this one? Uh, I'd call this a trench matchup game in general. Um the strength of the Titans defense is their pass rush. Their secondary, as we've seen, has been shredded by everyone. So if the Bengals' struggling offensive line can mitigate that pass rush, Joe Burrow can light this team up. But if they don't, that's how this game goes under. And on the other side of the ball, Titans have the worst offensive line in the league. Bengals have a really good run defense, but not a great pass rush. And one thing that I've been noticing is that Derrick Henry's always been a guy where like, once he gets going, that's where you see his top-end speed. But his initial acceleration looks slower than it has in previous years. So behind that offensive line, I think he's going to continue to struggle. When we look at the the Bengals on offense, they're facing the most extreme pass funnel defense in the NFL. Running backs against the Titans this year, averaging a league low 2.7 yards per carry. That's not good for Joe Mixon. But Tennessee's allowing eight and a half yards per attempt through the air. That is uh, nearly... Uh, trying to do the math. Wow. This is embarrassing. No, that is, that is just about three times as many yards per pass attempt as yards per carry math can be difficult on air. So there it is. Extreme pass funnel defense. What we saw from the, the burrow chase connection last week was very encouraging. Jamar chase was operating out of the slot more than usual. It seemed like they were just making a conscious effort to get him going. And we, we simply have to like that for the Bengals offense for fantasy football. Anything else to mention here? And do you also feel like this this might not be Joe Mixon week? Because I'm a I'm I'm just not excited at this point about any running back going against this Titans front. Yeah, again, you know, run fits matter. The Titans have an excellent front. So yeah, it's to me, it's either Joe Burrow's offense lights these guys up and that's their path to doing well. Uh, I'd be very surprised if Joe Mixon does anything noteworthy this week. Let's turn to Colts Rams. Colts are one point dogs in this one. The game total was at 45. It's gone up to 47. We've seen a lot of these game totals moving by, by multiple points this week. Anthony Richardson has been a full practice participant this week. He's going to return from a concussion for the Colts. Zach Moss has had week two, 22 touches. That was all of them in the backfield. Then week three, he had 32 touches. That's a bell cow. Myself, Kev Wheeler, Matthew Hill, we all have him ranked as a fantasy RB1 this week. He's had at least 20 fantasy points each of those past two games. And this is also going to be Zach Moss's first game, hopefully, fingers crossed, 
with Richardson playing the entire time. That is just very exciting for the potential rushing efficiency. Zach Wilson or Zach Wilson, Zach Moss in general, I think has just actually looked sneaky explosive. He's had a couple runs where he'll bounce it outside, break a tackle. And I'm like, you know what? I don't really think we saw this version with the bills. Yeah. How do you feel about the, the Colts offense this week against the Rams with Richardson returning? Because I hope you're not going to dampen my enthusiasm. No, I had the same thought with Moss. Actually, it's like, where was this in Buffalo? Because you'd probably still, you'd probably still be in Buffalo if, if this is what was going on there. But yeah, I agree. Getting Richardson back just raises the ceiling of the offense. And again, you know, we've talked about this a number of times. The Rams' defense has played relatively well, but they still have a lot of no-name players. I'm not sure who's spying Anthony Richardson in this game. So that's an interesting aspect of that side of the ball, particularly. Yeah, it's good. I I, I would consider myself an amateur film grinder, so it's always nice. When whatever I'm seeing on tape is confirmed by the actual tape grinder himself, Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Let's look at the Rams. Puka Nakua, poor guy. He came back down to earth. His target share was only 22% in week three. That's slightly <laughs> hyperbolic. That's that's a great target share. Yeah. But it was behind Tutu Atwell in week three. And I actually think Puka Nakua might be behind Tutu Atwell in the pecking order once again in this matchup. I think Tutu Atwell's speed on the outside could burn these Colts' corners. Tutu now has at least 15 fantasy points in PPR formats all three weeks. And one exciting thing for, for not just uh, Tutu, Pukunakua, all these guys out there, is that Matthew Stafford's touchdown rate as a passer is still just 1.5% through three weeks. For his career, he's just over 4.5%. We'd, we'd probably expect it below 4.5% considering Cooper Cup hasn't been there yet. But that's something to monitor. Any good quarterback like Stafford should generally be at least three, three and a half percent. So the the multi-touchdown game is coming soon, folks. What else do you want to add here about the Rams and what might be their final game before they get Mr. Cooper Cup back? Yeah, the perimeter quarter matchup in this game, I think, is the key to the whole contest. Uh, two to out. Well, you was, like you said, very explosive. I think he could, you know, I think he'd get a big one here. Uh, with, with Puka Nakua, you know, most of his... Most of his success has come on short in-breaking routes. You know, the Bengals didn't let him have those last week. Like you said, though, 22% target share is still a big one. Reliable player. You know, if Stafford plays well, which I think he's going to, I, I think I predicted this as Rams 27, Colts 20. So I think the, the total moving up makes sense to me in this contest. One other thing I'll note is that Kyron Williams has, if I remember correctly, I think he said every single backfield touch the past two weeks now. It's been an insane run. But uh, Sean McVay made some comments this week, basically saying, guys, he's 195 pounds. And it was almost kind of like a come to Jesus moment where he's like, we have a 195 pound running back. We probably shouldn't be giving him 100% of the, the touches each week. And to me, I was like, yeah, I, I think we all knew that. Why, why has that? Why, what, what, what was going on in these first couple of weeks? You're, you're going to get this guy killed out there. You already got rid of Cam Akers. Ronnie Rivers is like the, the backup. It's, it, it makes sense that they should uh, preserve Kyron Williams. I, I've noticed I'm a little bit less optimistic than consensus on him this week, in part because I trust McVay in this instance because you really cannot have a 195-pound running back playing every snap, touching the ball every single time a running back is called on. Let's turn to Chargers Raiders. It, it opened Chargers minus 4.5. It's become Chargers minus 5.5 some places. I even saw it at one point yesterday, Chargers minus 6. And this is a tough one for me because... Jimmy Garoppolo's in the concussion protocol. And if he doesn't play that, that nukes the, this Raiders pass game. 
the game totals dropped as a result of this. It was at 50 and a half. It's down to 48 and a half. I, I would be very excited about Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers if Garoppolo can clear the protocol, but that is a, a very big if. It's one that I'll be monitoring with my fantasy rankings. I, I know it's one that, that Ryan will be monitoring as well for when he writes up these games on Saturday and his final thoughts on them. Looking at the Chargers, Mike Williams out for the year with the ACL tear. Very, very unfortunate. I think there's real pessimism about the rest of his career at this point, given that this this is a player where any sapped explosiveness from a guy that's already not a big separator and he's a big body could really, really hurt him when he's going to be 30 the next time that he steps on a football field. Josh Palmer looks like the, the next man up. Last year in five games that Mike Williams missed, he was getting targeted over nine times a game, nearly 75 yards a game. 16 fantasy points a game, borderline wide receiver one numbers for fantasy. Quentin Johnston, though, I I know he's been disappointing. He hasn't played much, but he's been targeted at a 50% higher rate than Josh Palmer whenever they've been on the field. And he's going to be on the field quite a bit. I, I don't really expect anyone to see heavy snaps in this receiver room outside of Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, and then Quentin Johnston. I'm not sure I'd start Johnston this week. I think he's kind of a desperation flex, kind of like a Marvin Mims where you're just hoping the routes are there, but we're not a hundred percent sure. But the upside's there. I think he's at this point just as premium of a bench stash as it gets. Ryan, what are you looking for in this game? And let's just say, and then after that, tell me, should Garoppolo miss? How does that change the entire dynamic of this contest? So for the Chargers, you know, I'd say the one strength of the Raiders defense is their edge duo. Wilson and Max Crosby, they're well, they're well equipped to deal with that. I, I think, you know, Justin Herbert can torch this team through the air conceivably. We've seen, we saw Buffalo blow them out. I think that's on the table too. Um, on the other side of the ball, you know, you run the ball against Josh Brandon Staley's defense. Josh Jacobs is really underwhelmed through three weeks. So you got to think they're going to this one saying, Let, let's give Josh Jacobs the rock. I actually just looked it up, Josh. Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. actually practiced today. So he has a bit of a path to playing now, which is kind of, unexpected on thursday you know i i thought i thought the concussion protocol basically meant that you were probably going to miss so that that's a surprise and and yeah like brian hoyer is actually a decent backup for a good team not sure i wouldn't call the raiders a a good team exactly so def especially when you have justin herbert on the other side of things like asking brian hoyer to keep up with justin herbert is a big big ask it's a big ask for jimmy garoppolo really Let, let me let me say one more thing here Josh, especially since you're a chargers fan Dear Atlanta Falcons, please trade Jake Drake London, who you're not using, to the Los Angeles Chargers so he can be Justin Herbert's new Mike Williams. Please do that right now. Oh, boy, is that music to my yeah. ears. I, I didn't know where you were going with this one, and I have to say it ended as happy as an ending could be. That's very good news on the Garoppolo front with him practicing. When I looked about 90 minutes ago as we were compiling some notes, I, I did not see that he had practiced. That, that is very, very good news. It makes me feel better about Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers. Let's turn to the most lopsided game of the week, according to Vegas, 49ers-Cardinals. 49ers are two touchdown favorites. Game total was 42. It's moved up to 44 because you know what? These Arizona Cardinals are feisty. They play hard. Reminds me of the 2021 Lions, the lovable Lions. They won three games that year, but you know what? They had fun in the process, and it built a culture and identity that carried through last year and still this year. So I, I think there should be some optimism from Cardinals fans when 
either Kyler returns, you get Caleb Williams, whatever happens, because ultimately you guys shellacked Dallas. You beat him in the trenches. It was great to see. Unfortunately, against the Niners, that's probably not going to happen. The 49ers get Brandon Ayuk back this week. He's not practicing. The, the Dolphins and the Bills are actually the only teams right now with a greater point differential than San Francisco. They've beat opponents on average by 16 points this week. So the game totals at four or the, the spreads at minus 14 for a reason. The, these Niners are just blowing teams out. When we look at the Cardinals, a little bit concerned with this blowout. I think Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz are the two receiving options. We can kind of just start every week at this point. And then I still can't believe what's going on with James Conner. He's had at least 16 touches every game. It's a volume bet against a great defense. Uh, I have him as a lower end fantasy RB2 type. That's partially given the state of the running back position, partially given the state of James Conner just being a guy that we know is going to get touches more than he probably should each and every week. Do you agree that this is going to be a, a pretty lopsided contest? And if I remember correctly, you have the Niners. Are they power ranked number one for you? Yeah, I still have them at number one. You know, they're they're a complete team. They've been in three of the last four NFC championships. Pedigree plus blowing people out. You know, that said, if Miami beats Buffalo with any kind of distance this week, I, I will change that for, for the Dolphins people, for sure. Um, I actually, you mentioned this last week where you compared the Cardinals to the year one Dan Campbell Lions. I thought that was brilliant. That's like literally what's going on here, especially since you're getting really efficient quarterback play out of Josh Dobbs. Something on our site, Chuck Pagano wrote that, and I, I noticed this myself, so I'm glad like he he framed it this way because obviously this man coached an NFL team and called NFL defense. So they the Cardinals ran on purpose at Micah Parsons. The the thing about this matchup that that's interesting is they don't really the 49ers don't really have like an undersized defensive end to do that to. So I do think they're going to hold up better in the run game. 49ers have had an elite run defense for for years. So, and then on the other side of the ball, the 49ers just have so many tools to beat you. I, I, I don't really like taking two score favorites in the NFL very often, but this is one where you take the 49ers or pass to me. I would agree there. Let's turn to Cowboys Patriots. It opened at Cowboys minus seven, went down to Cowboys minus six and a half. That's a pretty key number right there. The game totals up from 41 to 43. The Patriots at this point have held Zach Wilson in check, of course, but they also held Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts in check. No, none of these three quarterbacks have reached 13 fantasy points against the Patriots. It's a very stout defense. I am sitting Dak Prescott where I have him this week. You can look at my fantasy rankings on the 33rdteam.com, and you will see that I have almost two dozen quarterbacks ranked ahead of Dak Prescott. I have him at quarterback 20 on the week, and that doesn't feel like a hot take. That just feels like being smart about matchups and recognizing that he himself has not played at a a great level so far this year. And when we look at fantasy, I'm starting CD lamb. Of course, I think Jake Ferguson's a borderline top 12 option this week. He's been earning six targets a game on the year, but Brandon cooks, Michael Gallup, just not a lot of excitement for these auxiliary options. How are you viewing the, the Cowboys in this one? First, I love that you have Dak there. Cause you know, CD lamb, Brandon cooks, Michael Gallup, Tony Pollard. That's pretty good. So as we, as we said on Monday, you know, I would put the loss last week primarily on him. The defense won the first two games, like go and beat the Cardinals, you know, score 30 points on them. So let's see it from Dak before we start being ambitious on him. And you were down on him before the year to your credit. You liked them. You liked them less than I did. I was, I wanted to be even on him in best ball. And in this matchup, you get Bill Belichick, you know, what do you think Bill Belichick's going to do? He's going to, 
he's going to watch the Cardinals film from last from last week and do a lot of the same things on offense. <laughs> they're they're going to be running at Micah Parsons. Uh, you know, the Cowboys have a far more talented roster, but you know, Mike McCarthy versus Bill Belichick is you know not. It's like you know a beauty contest between me and the actor with my same name. Like there's a pretty big chasm between those two things. So I like I like the Patriots. I like them more when they were getting a full seven, obviously, but that's the one where I take the Patriots or pass on this game. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. He might not win any beauty pageant ribbons, but <laughs> he ha- he will win over your bankroll, your heart, with his betting picks, his thoughts on football, the insights that he gives you. On the Patriots side, Ramondre Stevenson has now been outproduced on the ground by Ezekiel Elliott in two of three games. It still makes me feel so good knowing that I bet Ezekiel Elliott over 425 and a half rushing yards on the season. That was a prop bet that many people were terrified of. And so far, so far, it is still looking good. He had 80 rushing yards this past week. Ultimately, Ramondre Stevenson's just a middling fantasy RB2. Kind of feels like that's what he's going to be each and every week. Where he's inefficient on the ground. He, he's getting pass game work, but the problem is last week, Zeke was actually eating into more third down snaps than before. That's a, a trend that we should monitor. Ezekiel Elliott's always been one of the premier pass blocking running backs in the game. Ryan, what else are you looking for from the the Patriots here? Is this a will Mac Jones get it going? Because we've kind of seen the the Jekyll and Hyde from him through three weeks. A couple of years ago, Mac Jones' rookie year when he won, when he was the runner up and the rookie of the year probably would have won it in most years if there wasn't Jamar Chase going absolutely bonkers for rookie wide receiver. He actually played very well in the year, year against Dallas, so I think there's a path to him playing well. So far, he's actually been pretty good to me. I think he's been better than most people would have expected. So I don't want to count on him winning this game. I, if I'm, I'm betting on the Patriots or I'm playing this game from a fantasy angle, I'm expecting massive running back carries in, his, in an Ezekiel Elliott revenge game, no less, Josh. And, you know, the defense to play, to play you know, tight, strong football where Dak Prescott's offense underwhelms a little bit. You know Jerry Jones is going to be two eyes yeah. on Zeke in this contest. <laughs> yeah, if, if Ezekiel Elliott has 100 yards rushing in this game, someone in the front office is probably getting fired after this game. <laughs> We've got two games left, folks. Two primetime matchups. Sunday night football. What could have been? What could have been? What could have been? What could have been? Jets, Chiefs. We do not get Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes. We get Zach Wilson. The the Jets are nine and a half point underdogs. The game total was at 43. It's uh, down to 41 and a half. Ultimately, the Chiefs defense has looked good this year. People simply have no faith in Zach Wilson. And what we've reminded people a couple times, people will be like, oh, like, the Chiefs lost week one. Guys, the, the Chiefs only allowed two offensive touchdowns to the Lions. This has been a fairly shut down unit. They're they're going to shut down Zach Wilson. Garrett Wilson, I have very little interest in starting him. He's averaged four catches and 55 receiving yards on the season. That's just simply not going to get it done. If you're you're getting four catches a game. Really? That that is uh if you're winning, if you're going to try and win first place in your fantasy league, you do not want to be starting a receiver that's getting three, four, five catches a game and where you're excited when he hits five. One one exciting note, though, is that Brees Hall officially took over this backfield in week three from Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook had been out snapping him, out carrying him, out route running him in terms of routes run, but the, all that changed in week three, and that was very exciting for Brees Hall. He's always going to have kind of a scary floor when he's lining up right behind Zach Wilson in this offense. But uh, the the upside is really there when we know that he's now kind of the focal point for touches in this backfield. When we look at the Chiefs end, Rasheed Rice, 
he had just as many first quarter routes run against the Bears last week as Sky Moore. Both were taken in the second round. Sky Moore last year, Rasheed Rice this year. Rasheed Rice looks like he's on a much faster track than Sky Moore did. Rasheed Rice now has three red zone targets through three weeks. His 2.77 yards per route run is first on the team. Only Kadarius Tony, who's a gadget guy, has a higher targets per route run, whereas Rasheed Rice is running more real routes. I believe Tony's average route down the field has been two and a half, three yards. It's it's kind of like a running back. Rasheed Rice, I think it might be the real deal, at least in this Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes, with Andy Reid, a player that's just talented enough. And I, I think he looks, at least from last week, like he's starting to rise up, cutting into this guy more snaps. I'm not starting him this week, but I, I think it's, I mean, it's the Jets defense, but I think we're all starting to get cautiously optimistic that this is someone we can plug and play hopefully a couple weeks from now. Ryan, what are you looking for in a game where the, the Jets are probably going to do so little, so little with Zach Wilson? I'm going to take, I'm going to set the over under on times Taylor Swift is mentioned during this game at 14 and a half. And I think, you know, it's the over pass on that one. Uh, you know, again, it's a tragedy that this is not Rodgers versus Mahomes. We've been deprived of that several times now. This one would have been the best one, especially because the Jets defense can limit this offense. But, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, least passing yards in the leagues, the Jets so far this year, there's no reason to believe that's going to change. You know, the path to the Jets making this game close is Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook have good games while the defense, you know, keeps the Chiefs around 24 points or less. I think that's possible. Certainly not something I want to bet my American dollars on. I work pretty hard for those, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from that. But I want to say this too: if if you have a if you have a wide receiver in the vein of you know like a Darnell Mooney or Isaiah Hodgins, and Rasheed Rice is on your waiver wires, that's the guy you need to stash and just hold him for for two months and see what happens down the stretch. I'd agree there. Also, just a wake up call. To a lot of men out there who don't know anything about Taylor Swift, uh, I've seen a lot of questions. People just kind of trying to figure out who's who's more famous, who makes more money. Travis Kelsey's net worth is estimated at thirty million. Taylor yeah. Swift's is estimated at six hundred million. That is twenty x. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It is clear who the the power and the power couple is, yeah. but we definitely do not hate that dynamic because we love it in terms of expanding NFL reach. Sure, the, the, that that Chiefs game this past week was. I believe it, it like set records for like a random early slate uh, or late slate game for like uh, people watching on TV. So we, we love that Taylor Swift is bringing in more fans. We don't have to love her music, but we can always love what she's doing for the game of football. The final game this week, Monday night football is Giants Seahawks. Ryan, it's your Giants. They, they were one and a half point underdogs. So disrespectful. Now they're one point favorites. Apparently, I'm actually not quite sure why, but people have decided the, the Giants are going to sneak this one out. The game totals also moved from 45 to 47. Just talk to me about the Giants right now, and do you believe that they, they should be favored very slightly in this matchup? It's like we, when we talked on Monday, you know, the Seahawks were a slight road favorite, and I, I said this is the sort of game the Giants win. It's just like a sports better. I've been betting on football for 10 years. It's just how the world works with these things. So the line movement makes sense to me from that front. From a pure football standpoint, you know, the Seahawks passing attack if Geno Smith plays well could literally just torch the Giants secondary. And the Seahawks have played very well offensively the last two weeks, but their offensive line's banged up. 
The Giants' defensive front and their pass rush is underwhelmed a little bit so far this year, but they do have excellent players. Dexter Lawrence is a stud. If Leonard Williams or Kayvon Thibodeau can take a step forward, that's a path to the to the Giants winning this contest, limiting Seattle's offense. And then their side, you know, it boils down to Daniel Jones, although apparently Saquon Barkley is not completely ruled out yet. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to play. If he yeah. does, I would be very concerned. I think it's malpractice, yeah. but I saw that too, and yeah. I was like, oh, I, yeah. I tried to put him back in the IR slot in one league and was like, what the, what the heck's going yeah. on? And then I realized yeah. that he was questionable. And uh, yeah. I was like, questionable. Was like, yeah. Doesn't he have a high ankle sprain? I was like, what? Yeah. It's we'll, we'll see what happens there. This is a guy with a very devastatingly long yeah. lower body injury history. You yeah. should, Giants folks out there, you should, you should hope that he sits in this contest. Before finishing up a couple notes on this game, reminder to follow Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, the 33rd Team Podcast Network is what you need to search. It's also up on the 33rd Team's Fantasy Betting YouTube channel. My fantasy rankings are on the 33rdteam.com for free. Hop into the Discord that's linked in all our articles and make sure that you're consuming all of Ryan's matchups, previews, and power rankings on the 33rd Team as well. We were three for three. I'm going to hope we go four for four streaming Daniel Jones. We we recommended that he was a streamer in week two when he was the QB one in fantasy against the Cardinals. And we said to sit him in weeks one and three. Week four, I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I think he's going to be two and two in terms of when you can start him against the Seahawks team that has allowed at least 323 passing yards to each opposing quarterback they have faced. The, the real intriguing option here is Wandale Robinson. He only ran nine routes in his return last week, but he was targeted five times. I know we are co-managing a league with our, our waivers guru, Nick Botiford. We picked him up in that league. We're not starting him this week, but he's very intriguing. That's a PPR format. I mean, hey, if you're, you're running nine routes and getting five targets, that that's kind of like what we want from guys like Rondell Moore, Kadarius Tony. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to say this. I almost have more faith in some ways that Wandell Robinson is the guy that can run more routes and be more oh. productive than those guys. Given yeah. the prospect profiles, as cra- crazy as that sounds. Yeah. And then when we look at the, the receiving room, aside from that, Darius Slayton's quietly had six targets back-to-back weeks. It's a beatable Seahawks secondary. If you're looking for another guy like a Marvin Mims, a Quentin Johnston, some, some guy that might be running routes down the field with a little bit of upside that no one else is starting and you need a desperation flex, you're allowed to start Darius Slayton. And then the, the the real exciting one is Darren Waller. He's led the team in targets all three weeks. Seahawks have given up 138 yards a game to the slot, which is where Waller plays. I am very optimistic. He's my tight end three for the week. I think this is the big get right game for him. And then we might end on a depressing note for some people because Zach Charbonnet has cut into Kenneth Walker's workload. Make sure you're listening to all our podcasts. I talked about it Monday and Tuesday as to why Kenneth Walker is a sell after his 30 fantasy point week. Would recommend checking those shows out. Zach Charbonnet, the ultimate backup running back buy at this point in redraft. And then another depressing note, Jackson Smith and Jigba. His average depth of targets under three yards on the season. He's still not playing in two wide receiver sets. I would recommend holding him in fantasy football, but he is not making it easy on the stat sheet. This is the Metcalf, the Lockett Show. From myself, from Ryan Reynolds, from my bookie, from the 33rd team, I believe this is the week that DK Metcalf once again hits 100 yards for the second straight week.